What is your ministry? What is your ministry? My ministry is MBS. It's not MBS. Unless you're a leader here, then, yeah, I guess that's your ministry. Um, it's not MBS. It's not Compass Bible Church. It's not your ministry. Each one of you as a Christian, God has given you a ministry, a spiritual assignment, which we talked about last week, that uh, God has sent you to do, to serve, to go out, uh, not to, uh, you know, toot your own horn, not to uh, build your own resume, but God has given you assign, an assignment or assignments, it could be plural, uh, for his glory. He's using your giftings. He's using uh, the place that he's placed you in. He's using all of your surroundings for you to go out and glorify him. He's sent you out with an assignment. What is your assignment? Because you have one. Individually, if you are a follower of Christ in here, you all have an assignment. And it's important for you to know what that assignment is. God has sent you out for something, for something in particular. But the, the, the umbrella, the, the high level is he sent you out so that he may get the glory through you, and it points back to him. That's your assignment. That's your ministry. When people say, oh, this is my ministry, your ministry is going, being sent out by God for, to glorify him. And the reason I say MBS is not your, your ministry, because it's quick for some of us to think that, you know, I'm not serving, but I, I'm part of MBS. I'm part of the church. This is, this is like your, 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 your gas station, if you will. You're, you're getting fueled up here. Or if you've got an electric car, you're getting charged up here. I'll, I'll talk to you too. Um, you're getting, you, this is your fuel, right? This is your fuel for your ministry, Right? We come together, we study God's word, we get recalibrated, we understand what God's word is saying, so we get fueled up to go do ministry, your assignment, what God has sent you to do individually. Right? We all have that. If you're reading your DBR and think about Genesis 45 we're in today, if you've read it already or you're going to read it today, you'll see it says God sent Joseph. God sent Joseph to Egypt. Right? He took Joseph, and while his brothers thought that they did it, God sent Joseph to Egypt for a purpose, for a reason. That was his, his ministry, to go out there to glorify God so that God got all the glory. The brothers thought that they did it. They did it for, for, for bad, for evil. God did it for good. That was his ministry. You have a ministry. Let me shake things up a little bit this morning. Let me wake you up if, if you're not up already. Imagine this for a second. Imagine you had a job, you got a job, and you have your annual review. And you go sit before your boss, and he reviews your year, your assignment, your task, the job that you have. And as he starts to review your year, he looks up at you because it looks blank, and you say, well, I, I just didn't know. I wasn't sure. I, I, I mean, I, I was waiting on you to tell me with more clarification what you wanted me to do. Just, just think if you were sitting in that moment, probably wouldn't go really well for you. Because it's not an excuse. If you're part of this company, if you sign this contract to work with them, you have an assignment. You have an assignment to do. It's for you to, to figure out how that works, that assignment, how you can be used to bring glory to whatever the assignment that you're doing. But you have an assignment. And it wouldn't be a good thing if at the end of the year you had an assignment and you just didn't do it. 
Well, think even on a bigger level. All of us are going to stand before God. And as a follower of Christ, you've been given an assignment. You've been given a ministry based on how God's designed you, based on your giftings, based on your surroundings. And we're all going to have to stand before God and say, how did I do with my assignment? God put me somewhere. He gave me a ministry. And he was going to use me for his glory. And I had to stand in front of him. What is your ministry? What is your God-given assignment? Because we all have one corporately, but we all have individual ones too. And as we get into our, our passage today, um, whether you, you, you know your assignment or you don't, this passage is going to be helpful for you. It's going to be really helpful because Paul lays out three things. He's talking about his assignment, but we can glean from these um, uh, his, his assignment and see that there are three things, three principles, three foundational key critical things that he's going to give us in this passage that really pertain to every Christian's assignment, every Christian's ministry. And so as we read this, hopefully, if you know your ministry, if I ask you that question, what is your ministry, and you know exactly what the ministry is. Right? I, I, I minister to uh, the elderly, right? I minister to the youth, right? I minister at my job, um, work in the fitness industry, and, and I, that, that's part of my ministry, to go, to go share the gospel with everyone there. God has placed me there with the ministry. Whatever yours is, I want to make sure that you can look at these three principles, these three, three key things, excuse me, that Paul gives us and say, yep, my, minister, my ministry has those three aspects within my ministry. And if you don't know what your ministry is, if, you're, if I ask that question, you're like, I'm not quite sure, then this will help you get started. Because you can look and say, all right, let's start with these three, and then let me find out what my, what my ministry is. Therefore, I can start putting more effort and putting more focus to the ministry that God has given each one of you to glorify him. So let's go ahead and turn to Ephesians 3, verse 7 through 13 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. Because I want you all to be doing your ministry effectively. I want nothing more than for all of you to be able to say, this is my ministry. This is why God has sent me. And this is the fruit that he's producing through me in this ministry. Because you know exactly what it is. And we're running hard after it with God's power. Verse 7, Ephesians 3. Of this gospel, I was made minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Again, it's not yours. It's his power. To me, Paul says, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. To do what? To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light to everyone, for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to etern the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. We go back to the top of that passage, starting in verse 7. He 
mentions of this gospel. And when he says of this gospel, he's talking about the gospel that he just mentioned in verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, verse 6. And then he says, of this gospel. So he's continuing that on. He's continuing on this digression that we talked about last time, right? He started off for this reason. He was going to pray, and then he, he started talking about his ministry. He's continuing on talking about his ministry. Still, one sentence we're talking about. He said, I was made a minister. Diakonos is that Greek word, which is a, a, a servant or a, a messenger of this gospel, right? He's, he's a servant. He's being used by God to, according to, how is he made a minister? By God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. God's grace. So God gifted Paul with this. Nothing that Paul earned or deserved or God said, man, I see some potential in you. I got to have you on my team. It was none of that. It was only by God's grace. Only by God's grace. And God was working his power, his power to save Paul, because Paul was a wretched one, right? He was one that was persecuting Christians. So he was far off, if we want to put a line out there of how far away you are from God. He was way out there. And so it was God's power that turned Paul, and it's God's power that's going to use Paul for his ministry, for what God has called him to do. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, I love how Paul says that. He, he says, I'm the very least. So it's not that I'm the, I'm the bottom of the barrel. I'm the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the barrel, right? I'm, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the less than least, if you want to tran- translate it that way. It doesn't even make sense, but he's saying that's how bad I am. You think bad? I'm, I'm, I'm far worse than you could ever imagine. I'm the least of, very least of all the saints. This grace was given. And when he says that, I mean, uh, some skeptics will look at that and it's like, ah, oh, Paul is just, that's just a, a, a humble brag. Right? He's trying to point to himself and say, oh, look at me. I'm, you know, it, it, I'm really trying to get attention to myself. That's not the case here. It's not a humble brag because Paul consistently calls himself the least. He truly believes that because he says it over and over and over again. Humble brag would be, you know, uh, somebody here saying, ah, oh, man, I can't believe I'm, I'm third year in a row. I'm the top salesperson in my company. I can't believe it. I mean, there's other guys that are working harder than me, but I, I just keep getting it. I don't know what it is. Right? That's a humble brag. You know why you got it. You've been watching the charts. Don't act like it wasn't a big deal to you. That's a humble brag. You want all the attention to come back to you because you're, you're playing this humble card. That's not what Paul is doing here. Paul is truly believing that he has no business doing it, but it's only by God's grace. Only by God's grace. Humble. Before you and I pursue any assignment or ministry that God has given us, it's important that we set the record straight with ourselves as well. We need to set the record straight with ourselves. We need to know and trust and, and, and wholeheartedly believe it's only by God's grace. You, me, uh, none of us deserve it. We didn't do anything to say I, I, I can see that guy doing it before he was saved. No, it's only by God's grace. So we need to get that straight first, and we need to, only, we need to understand that it's God's power that's working through us. All right, that's why we can do things that we probably think, humanly speaking, I have no business doing that. I, I, I'm not the one. Choose somebody else. Because it's not my own strength. I can do it only by God's grace. I can do it only by God's power that he is working through me for spiritual effectiveness. But we need to be humble. As a matter of fact, let's just write it down that way. Number one, humbly embrace your God-given assignment. Humbly embrace your God-given assignment. I mentioned that last week, but the, uh, the, 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 even, even the, the, the words that we say, it's not, it's not a have to. 
shouldn't say, ah, oh, man, I have to, right? Humbly is, I, I, I get to do this. Wow, God wants to use me to glorify him to do that. I, I get to do this. I get to go share the gospel with people. I get to read his word. I get to, to, to minister to, to whomever, the youth, the elderly, the, the, the men in my group. I get to do that. It's only by God's grace. And we should humbly see that. Whatever your ministry is, whatever God has sent you out to do to glorify him, you should humbly go forth and do that assignment. I love it how John the Baptist says it when Jesus is on the scene. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase and I must decrease. We, we need to repeat that to ourselves over and over and over, probably a daily thing, daily. As you pray, as you go out to the day, I want him to increase. I want Christ to increase in my life. But first, I must decrease. I, I got to humble myself. I got to realize God could have chosen anybody. I, I'm nothing special. God could have chosen anybody to do the work that he wanted them to do. I mentioned Paul, again, he says this, and he really believes that he's the least of all the saints, the very least of all the saints. I jot this passage down. We talked about it this week in our in main service as well in, in um, application questions. Is First um, Timothy 1, 12 through 16. I'll just read it. First Timothy 1, 12 through 16. Paul says, I, I thank him who has given me strength. Right, again, he, he's not even saying, you know what, I, I worked hard, I got this strength. I thank him who's given me strength. Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Not something I wanted to do. It's his service. He appointed me to do that. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. Insolent, a, a violent opponent. Not just an opponent. I was violent, taking people's lives away, right? Locking people up. I was violent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, right? And he didn't know. He didn't know. He thought he knew. He didn't know. And the grace of our Lord was overflowed for me, overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and full and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came, to, came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. I'm the worst of the worst. Why did he do that? But I received mercy for this reason. Here's why. That in me, as the foremost, the worst, the least of all the saints, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. God will get the glory. Jesus would display his perfect patience as an example to those who were, who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul's mindset was not that he was ideal, not that he was, uh, you know, a first-round draft pick, if you, if, if you will, uh, that, that could help God. Paul's mindset was God would get more glory in him because he was the worst selection. He was the worst selection. I mean, if that's not humble enough, like we think, oh, God saved me because you, you were the least of the least. So God saved you so that he can get more glory through you. Because it's not like you had a lot going on for yourselves. He'll tell, tell us more about that in, in other passages. But that was Paul's mindset. And that's why Paul took joy in all the things that he's doing. Yeah, he's getting beat up. He's getting shipwrecked. He's, he's getting thrown in prison. All of these things are bad things, humanly speaking. But Paul has more joy than any of us that are free and not being beat up. Why? Because he knows God is working through him. And he knows God has given him a ministry. And he knows, humbly, he doesn't deserve it. And so he can look at the ministry that God has given him 
and say, I, I, I can count it all joy, right? Like James says. Or he, he looks at it and says, I, I'll go do wherever you want me to go. Come what may. Because I know God is working through the ministry that he's given me. I came across this quote um, in my study. It says, uh, God plays favorites. We don't like to think about it that way. But God plays favorites with the humble. <laughs> he plays favorites with the humble. Now, I thought that was interesting because I think that's true. God plays favorites. God uses those that are willing to step back and say, it's not me. God, you, you, you take it. You show me where you want to go, and, I, and I'll go there. God uses those people more than the ones that, that tend to say, oh, wow, God, God used me here. You know what? That, that was me. Actually, I'm going to puff my chest up a little bit. I think that was me. God, God will pull back on using you when you try to steal his glory. But the more you step back and allow God to, 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 to drive and allow God to steer you where he wants you to go and use you how he wants to use you, the more he'll use you. He'll show favoritism towards you when you're humble. You and I need to be more humble as we think about every Christian's assignment. That's, that's, that's number one right there. The first thing, before we even get out of the gates, before we start to think about our assignment, before we start to think about how God is going to use us, we need to say, I just want to be humble and say, wherever God leads me, I'm going to go because it, it's him. It's him. It's for his glory, and it's his power working through me. That's the number one principle you and I need to have. Whether you have your ministry assignment, you know what it is already, or you're trying to figure it out, and, and you're going to figure it out today because we're, we're giving you these principles, you need to start off by saying, I'm just going to be humble. I'm just going to be humble and say, wherever you want to use me, God, to you, to you be the glory. I, I just want it to go to you, and I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. We need to be willing to do whatever, whatever it is. And that humble part of it is, I don't care what the ministry is. If it brings glory to God, I, you better be signing up for it if God has put it in front of you. If you've had men around you to say, hey, we need help with this. Or God is, has given you this conviction that, man, man I should step up and, and, and serve there. Again, there's a difference between coming and participating versus ministry, going to serve, going out to, to be used by God. Okay? Let's not get it confused. This is a great thing. This is not your ministry, unless you're leading here, unless you're giving back. This is not your ministry. You're a part of this. You're getting charged up right now to go out and do ministry. But I want all of you to be able to say, this is my ministry. This is where God is using me to glorify him. And whatever that assignment is, it doesn't matter. When you're humble, it, you, you just do it. There's nothing that, is, that, that you're too, too high and mighty for. All right, if I said, Hey, you know what? We're having a problem in, in the bathrooms uh, it, with all the toilets. Like, it's, 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 it's turning people away because our bathrooms are just disgusting. And I want to start a, a, a toilet cleaning ministry. I better have 10 guys say, hey, put me in there. Now, I'll clean some toilets. If that's going to glorify God, if that's going to allow people to stay here, that's going to allow people to come and not be distracted because we got a problem here at the church, sign me up. I don't care what it is. I don't care. I don't care. We need to not be above anything. That's that humble approach that we need to have in whatever ministry that God puts in front of us. Some of you have been doing the same ministry for years and years and years, and God wants to use you somewhere else in something that's going to be a little bit more challenging for you. But you're in your comfort zone now. And so part of being humble and having a, a new assignment is saying, you know what, I, I'll do it. Why am I going to do it? Because it's God's power working through me. It's not me. Can I do it? Probably not in my own mental state. But can God do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is he going to work through me if this is an assignment that he's truly given? Absolutely. And so the humble, apart, humble approach is saying, you know what, I'll get outside of my comfort zone because I know God's power is going to work through me. 
It's not our own. It's not too much for me to handle. Whatever assignment that you've been given, whatever ministry that God has sent you to do as a Christian, every one of us has an assignment, has a ministry, has um, a responsibility. Um, It starts with being humble. It starts with being humble. Next thing is we're humble about the assignment. Paul tells us exactly what his God-given assignments are. He tells us specifically that there's two things that are a part of his, his ministry. And so let's go back to our passage and pick up on what those two things are and see how that can apply to our ministry, your ministry that God has given you and assigned you to that he wants you to be effective in. Picking it up in the middle of verse 8, this grace was given to preach. Here we go. We're going to start here. To preach to the Gentiles. That's one of them, right? It was to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's what he's doing. Preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And what else? And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. That word unsearchable riches. It's a rare Greek word. Paul only uses that word one other time. Matter of fact, the Bible only uses that word one other time. And that's in Paul's writing in Romans eleven thirty three, where he says, Oh, the depth and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable, there's that word, his ways. How unscrutable his ways. And that word is being incomprehensible, untraceable, impossible to understand God. We, we can't understand what God is doing, but we know he's doing something good. That's what he said. It's unsearchable. Those are the riches of Christ that he explains. And then he says, that's his first ministry, is to to explain that. He's going to preach the unsearchable riches, right? He's not just saying, hey, I'm going to let you know that that Jesus came here on earth, that he was born of a virgin, that he he, he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross, that he resurrected from the grave and he ascended. I just want you to know those facts. No, he's saying, I'm going to talk about the treasures of Christ. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond just stating the facts, which are true, which we need to share. But how does that apply to the person? How does that apply to the person? Why do they need that? Why do they need more than just a head knowledge of what Jesus came to do? That's what he, he wants to tell the unsearchable, right? You can, you can just keep going. You can keep going with all the riches that you have in Christ. That's what he's preaching to people. Then he says, I want to bring light for everyone what is the plan, bring light to, uh, for everyone what is the plan of the mystery, Right, that, that mystery, I talked about it last week, it, it, it was there, right? It was in the Old Testament, the fact that God was going to, to save Gentiles along with the Jews, and they were going to be one uh, together, and they were going to be equal heir, co-heirs, and they were going to be members of, of God's family, all of this stuff. He had a plan for that. That was the mystery that was not unveiled in the beginning, right? But if you look at that, he says he's going to uh, bring light to that, right? He's going to enlighten everyone. So it's like being in a dark room and you got a flashlight and all of a sudden it's like, boom, I shine a flashlight over here and I'm enlightening. I'm showing something that's been there the whole time, but now we're putting light to it. He's putting light to the fact that this mystery has been there the whole time. He's telling people that. So he's preaching about Jesus and the treasures uh, 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 that that are found in Christ Jesus. And he's telling people that this mystery that you see, this this phenomenon that you see that, that, that you didn't believe was possible, that Jews and Gentiles can be in the same church worshiping the same God together without fighting. I, I'm just, I want to tell you about that and how, how mind-blowing it is. To us, it seems normal, but again, you got to go back to first century and say, this is mind-blowing. It, it, this wasn't supposed to happen. But now, 
through Christ is happening. The ministry of every Christian, every Christian in this room right now has a ministry assignment. And part of that is speaking about Christ. That, that's our ministry, right? Again, you have individual specific ministries. I'm doing it to the youth. I'm doing it to the elderly. I'm doing it to, the, to the whatever. I'm doing it to, to men. I'm doing it to uh, people at my job. I'm doing it to my neighborhood. Whatever your assignment is, you have a specific assignment. But the umbrella there, the, the, the big deal of what we're all preaching, what's part of all of our ministry is to make Christ known. Make Christ known, but not just make him known. Again, not just tell him the facts about Jesus, but Tell them the endless treasures that are found in Jesus because it's an unsearchable amount, right? that word that he used. And you and I need to make that part of our ministry that we are humble with whatever God assigns us. And then point number two is that we make known the endless treasures, make known the endless treasures of Christ. When you talk to people about Jesus, you need to talk about the endless treasures of Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? What does that mean for your life? How do things change? How does your ministry change? How does your whole outlook on life, how does it change? How does your eternal trajectory change with Christ? That's what we need to preach. That's what we tell people about Jesus. Because they probably know the facts. They probably know what you believe. They probably go to church on Easter. But they need to understand why it matters for them. They need to understand what Jesus came to do. He did it. But what was the point of that? The endless treasures. You can tell by Paul's writing that if you came across Paul, he was going to tell you about Jesus. And he was going to tell you about Jesus with so much joy and so much passion that it just, it just, I mean, he couldn't help himself. I mean, the dude can't even put a period in, in a lot of his sentences here, right? Because he's going on and on and on and on about Jesus. He can't stop talking about Jesus. You and I need to have that same passion. We've all met Christians that just stir our affections for Jesus. Hopefully you have some of them here that when you hang around them, it's just like, man, I don't know, but I, I just, I, I, I start loving Jesus more. I start thinking about Jesus more. I start thinking about my own, my own relationship with Christ more when I'm around that person because all they talk about is Jesus. And they say it not just with, you know, just you know, stating the facts, but they have some passion. Like they really believe it. Hopefully you have some people in here that you feel that way about. They make you more excited for Jesus. And then there's, unfortunately, the other side that when you talk to people about Jesus, some other people that it's like, dude, do you even like it? Right? It, it almost seems like a burden, right? It, it, it's so hard to follow Jesus. It, you know, they, they talk about all the bad and all the, the, the heavy lifting that they have to do and, and how their life was a little bit easier before. And it's like, I got to get away from you because you're, you're kind of drawing me down. There's two sides of the spectrum. You should ask yourself, where do you fall in that? That'd be a good question to ask. Right? When people are around you, do they feel burdened? Do they feel more excited about Jesus? Or do they feel like, I need to go talk to somebody else to lift me up because you just brought me down, bro. I, do, 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 are you there? Where are you fit on that? You should think about that. But here's the reason why most people, most people that don't have that passion for Jesus, I'll tell you why they don't have it. Because they don't understand it themselves. They don't know the treasures. They don't understand the unsearchable gifts of Jesus themselves. So if you don't understand it, how are you going to exude that? How is that going to be overflown from your body? How is that going to be preached passionately to somebody else if you really don't have a hold on it? 
And I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about non-Christians. There's Christians. There's some, some of you in this room right now. If I ask you right now, give me 10. Give me 10 unsearchable treasures of Christ. Write them down right now. Could you write down 10? Or would you get stuck at three? This is the truth. And so what I want us to do, what I want us to understand is we need to grapple with this ourselves. We need to really, really meditate on this. We need to let, let, let the treasures of Christ work in us first. That's why I always put that at the beginning of every application question. You might think like, man, is he just copying and pasting and forget? No, it's on there for a reason. A key reminder at the top, Ephesians is for you. Because when we read passages like this and we read about the, the passion that Paul has, you need to have that same passion. I need to have that same passion. And if we don't have that same passion, we need to ask why we don't have that passion. And I can tell you right now, a big part of why many people don't have the passion for Jesus that they should have, because they don't know it themselves. They believe the facts, they can tell you the gospel, but they don't really allow the, the, the treasures to work on them. I want to give you those 10 treasures, because even thinking about that myself, I needed to write them down. And so here's, here's my list of 10 treasures in Christ. This is my list. Again, this would be a great assignment for you, even beyond this week. Just write down 10 treasures in Christ, and you'll get my understanding when I say treasures of Christ. What, is, what does Christ do for our life? What does it allow us to have? What, what do we have as the benefactors of Christ and his earthly ministry and what he did here? 10 treasures of Christ. Number one, no, no particular order. So, well, I think this should be, it's just 10, okay? Number one, you and I, a treasure that we have in Christ, freedom from being enslaved to sin. Freedom from being enslaved to sin. I mean, that alone, that alone is a, a wonderful treasure in Christ. We're not slaves of sin anymore. We're actually slaves of righteousness, right? We're not, the rest of the world, they can't help themselves. They think they're free, but they're really just enslaved by sin. They can't help themselves but to keep doing sinful things, and they can't get out of it. They have no way out of it. They think, I, I, I just can't help but to do this. It's because they're enslaved to sin. Christ has freed us from any enslavement to sin. There is nothing that you can't do that is honoring to God that the Spirit won't give you strength to do because Christ has freed us from sin. We, we have freedom, number one, freedom from being enslaved to sin. Number two, we are members of God's all-time family, Ephesians 2, 19, right? Members of the household of God. We talked about that. There was a verse for number one, Romans 6, 18, and having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. So Romans 6, 18, freedom from being enslaved from sin, number one. Number two is we're members of God's all-time family, Ephesians 2, 19. We're members of his family. Again, there, there, there's some benefits to being members of God's family. We're not enemies of God anymore, right? We're not opposing God. We're members of his family. Think about your own family members. Think how much you love them and care for them and provide for them. God is doing that for you in Christ Jesus. It's a treasure that we have in Christ for the rest of eternity. Number three, hope for the future. We have a hope for the future. It doesn't matter what goes on in this world. It doesn't matter how bad it gets or, 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 or how out of control it seems like it is, how chaotic it is. We have hope for the future. If you are in Christ, part of the treasures that you have in Christ is that you get to spend eternity in heaven where there's no heartache, there's no pain, there's no sin, there's no suffering. And 1 Peter 1.3 tells us, they said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, a living hope. It's not one of those false hopes of, oh, man, I hope that light turns green or I hope this happens. No, it's a living hope that we get to go spend eternity in heaven. I don't have to worry about it. This is, this is not my home. This is not my home. This is not my home. 
So if it gets bad here, then guess what? The Bible said it was going to get bad. But guess what's not going to get bad? My eternal home, my permanent home. It won't ever get bad because there won't be an ounce of sin. There won't be any, any sin. Let that sink in. That's a, a, a wonderful treasure that we need to understand. Number four, number four treasure of Christ that we have, the indwelling Holy Spirit. When we are saved, when we become a new creation in Christ, at that point in time, we get indwelled with the Holy Spirit. John 16 tells us, Jesus said he's going to send the helper, right? He says, I must go. It's to your advantage that I go because when I go, when I leave you, I'm going to send the helper. And the helper is going to guide you to more truth. The helper is going to guide you to live, like, live life like I'm telling you to live life. The helper, the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's part of the treasures of Christ. You are a Christian here, a beautiful treasure that you have. It's not a guessing game. I don't have to figure out like, oh, I don't know what to do now because Jesus is not. No, you have the spirit that is going to lead you and guide you to be more like Christ. All right, Ephesians 1.13, he tells us when we believe when we believe in him, we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It's not going anywhere. I don't want to hear any of that. Well, I had the Spirit. Then I'll... No, you don't. It doesn't happen. That's not biblical. Because Paul says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Number five, the fifth treasure of Christ that we need to meditate on and just think about and just take joy in is we have the perfect example to imitate. The perfect example. Jesus. Jesus, we can read about Jesus, we can see his characteristics of his life and how he loved people and how he constantly was, was, was preaching the truth to people, how he constantly was, was seeking his whole life to glorify the Father. That was his life. That needs to be ours as well. We can look to Jesus. Just like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We have the perfect example. The, the thing about the people in, in, in Ephesus during this time, right, a lot of these religions that they had, a lot of these religions that they were following, there was no example. It was like you just tried a lot of things, and hopefully the, 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 the false gods, they were happy. Right? We have an example to follow. We can read about him. We can know him. Number six, one, another treasure in Christ, one who understands our weakness. One who understands our weakness. Right? He understands us. Going back again to those Greek religions, they didn't understand. You were supposed to try to understand the gods, the Greek gods, Artemis and all that, but you didn't know them. Jesus, Hebrews 4.15 tells us, which says we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, right? In every respect, because he has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus knows what you're going through. When you're preaching to somebody about Jesus, Jesus knows everything that you're going through. He knows every temptation. He, he felt it at a much higher level. So he can help you through your temptations. He can relate to you. He can sympathize with you because he knows what you're going through. We got a God that knows. And we need to preach that treasure and let that sink in with ourselves, that God understands what you're going through. He's not accepting it, saying like, okay, just keep doing. No, he's saying you need to change, but he, he understands what you're going through. And he's going to give you the power to change. Number seven, treasure in Christ. We become part of the body of Christ. Part of the body of Christ. New eternal family. We read this earlier in the DBR, Matthew 12, 50. For whoever does the will of my father is my brother, sister, mother. Right? Remember they were, they were saying, hey, 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 your family's outside. No, no, no. Y'all are my family. Y'all are the family. The ones that have the same eternal plan, the one that have the same eternal assignment to glorify God, that's my family. Because guess what? You're my family now, and you're going to be my family in eternity. That's a great thing that you and I need to think about. 
And all of us come from different backgrounds, ethnicities, and upbringings, all this stuff. But God, through Christ, brings us all together and makes us part of one family, one team. What else does that? Nothing. Nothing. It's a treasure that we have in Christ. Number eight. Here's a big one. Goes along with hope. He's the victorious king of kings in the end. He's the king of kings. He's going to be the one to reign. He's reigning right now. He's going to be the one to sit on the throne. He's going to make, he's going to make everything right in the end. Revelation 19, 15. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which he to strike down nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of fury, of wrath, and of God, the all, with uh, wrath of God the Almighty. Right? He is the king in the end. We can bank on that, that Jesus will return, and he's not returning as somebody coming to save, serve. He's returning as the warrior, and he is going to take down all the nations that think that, that they can rule. Quickly, number nine, another treasure in Christ. We're part of the working out of God's plan, part of the working out of God's plan, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which, he prepared, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're part of the plan. As a treasure in Christ. God wants to use you, not because he needs you, but he's going to use you to glorify him. We're part of the plan. Now you're talking to somebody that is a, a non-Christian. They, you know, part of being a Christian is God, creator of all, is going to use us to further glorify him, to build his church. He's going to use you. How is he going to use you? How is he gonna, I don't know. I don't know. But he's going to use you. Every Christian has a, a, a ministry has an assignment. Number 10, here's a big one, a great one. All of them are great treasures, but here's another. Assurance of where you're headed. You know where you're headed. John 6, 47, truly, truly, that's a good way to start. I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. You know where you're headed. It doesn't matter what this life brings. You know where you're headed. It's just a great thing. Again, those are treasures in Christ. Paul knew those treasures, and he didn't just go out and preach those. He preached them to himself. You and I need to preach those treasures, and, and I challenge you to do that. For the, for the next week, just take one of these every day and just meditate on it and think about all, that it, all the implications of that. And then see what that does. See how much you end up talking about it and seeing about it and, and even sharing with other people because you've preached it to yourself first. Preach all of these to yourself and allow that to overflow you. Allow that to be part of everything that you talk about. That's what Paul was doing. That's why he couldn't stop talking about it because I can know he preached it to himself. Whether he was in prison, whether he was free, he was preaching those treasures of Christ that you and I have just like he did. He was preaching them to himself and it just, it just flowed out. It, flo- it, it, it couldn't stop because he started with preaching to himself and that allowed him to proclaim that to others. Meditate on that. Create your own list, but just take one every day and keep preaching it to yourself. Back to our passage quickly. Ephesians 3, 10 through 13. Why is he doing all this? So that through the church, the big C, the, 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 the big church, universal church, the body of Christ, the manifold. That's another word. That's only used one time in the Bible. In the Bible right? He's saying the, the many-sided wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Right, you think about the, the heavenly places, Paul oftentimes talks about that spiritual realm. Well, again, think about his audience. They're dealing with a lot of, you know, mystical, spiritual religions and all that stuff of their time. He's, he's continuing to tell them, look, God has control over all of that too, um, the spiritual realm, realm. And he's saying that 
what, what the church is doing is going to be made known to the angelic realm. The good angels and the bad angels, they're not omniscient. We have to remember that. They don't know what's coming. And so the angelic realm is looking at what's happening here on earth, and they're amazed as well. And so he said all of the work that the church is doing, that's going to bring glory, and that's going to bring amazement to even the angels are going to be like, whoa, God took those people and those people and made them one for him? Whoa, whoa to the angelic realm. So that's what he's saying. Of course, it's going to be made known to everyone here on earth, but even the angelic realm, he has sovereignty over that. This was according to the eternal purpose that he had realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, he sent Christ to be the one that's going to break down the dividing wall. That, that, that was what he realized through Christ, in Christ, in whom we have boldness. When we are in Christ, we've got boldness and access with confidence, just like Hebrews 4.16 says. We can go to the Father because of Jesus, not because of our own thing. Through faith in him, Christ. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering. All right, the same stuff he was talking about in Ephesians 3.1. He said, not, don't lose heart over that. I, I'm suffering, but it's, it's for you. I'm good with it. Don't feel bad for me because it's for, at the end, it's your, it's your glory. It's, it's good for you that I'm suffering and I'm okay with that because this is where God wants me. This is my ministry right now. To be in prison, chained up to this Roman uh, guard, soldier, uh, and preaching to you through this letter. That's my ministry. That's, what, that's the assignment that God has given me. Just like he was giving you an assignment, he's given Paul that same assignment. And we need to go back and as we look at verse 10 of that is through the church. The church is what's going to be the trophy case. The church is what's going to, 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 to show everybody, the angelic realm, everybody here on earth, the wisdom and the power of God. And that's why we need to have a high view of the church. Church is not something that, oh, we'll just go to it on Sunday when, I'm, when it's convenient, or I'll go Friday morning because, you know, I, I like the group of God. No, we need to have a high view of the church just like we have a high view of God because through the church is what is, is God's trophy case, if you will. It, 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 it's showing the world who God is and God's power and God's wisdom and God's knowledge. That's what the church is for. That's what God has designed the church, and that's what we should understand and that we should do, that we are God's display, the church, point number three. We need to see the church as God's plan on display. Like this is the unfolding of all his plans, that all of us would come together and we would all be united in Christ. That was his plan. That's his, that's his mysterious plan through Christ, and this is the outworking of it, is the church. People look at the church and they see the church and there's a whole bunch of people from all different areas and all this stuff. They come together and they all are here to glorify God. And that is shown to the rest of the world. The church should make believers and unbelievers say, wow, look at what God is doing. The church is not about, you know, who, who's up there preaching. It's not about, you know, the, the, the head pastor of the church. It's not about um, something else, the, the, you know, the cars that are in the parking lot and all that stuff. That, that's, that's, that, that's all your, 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 your prosperity gospel churches, right? It becomes, hey, look at me, look at me, look at my ability to preach, look at my ability. Whenever you should look at the church, you should say, wow, look what God is doing. Because I knew that brother before, and whoo-hoo, God must be powerful if he did a work in him, right? That, that, should be what, that should be the glory that comes from the church. Not look at him, look how special he is. It should always point to somebody that God is using and then get right back to God. Right back to God. That's the point of the church. It's his trophy case, if you will. When you go to an arena or if you go to uh, any, any professional team, you, all, you will see their trophy case, right? They're trying to show you that they, 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 they won at one point in time. 
I was talking about my Cowboys earlier, that trophy case, you got to go way back. <laughs> but they're, they're, we're, we're, we're passionate about those 90s, right? Yeah, we're passionate. It's been some years, but those 90s, we had some knowledge and some wisdom. But you think about that. You go there and you say, wow, look, look what they did there, right? The church is that same thing. You look at the church, the universal church, and you should say, wow, look what God is doing here. Amongst all the chaos in this world, look what God is doing here. Look what God is doing. That's God's plan and design for the church. And so if we think about the Christian ministry, we should be humble, right? Humble about whatever assignment that God has given you individually that's going to affect the universal church at large. We should be humble about that. We should preach the unsearchable treasures. And so the whatever assignment that you have, be humble about it. And whatever you're saying about Jesus, preach, preach the treasures of Jesus. Preach why, why, why they need Jesus. They don't need to just know the facts. They need, to, they need Jesus. And then we need to make sure that we plug in and we continue to work to build up the church. Because the more you individually build up the whole body of Christ, the whole church, then the more it magnifies and glorifies God's wisdom and God's knowledge and God's power to work through people that are undeserving and unworthy. It glorifies God through that. I don't have time to go there, but jot this passage down, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. Again, Paul is just saying, again, it's not, not that we had anything going for ourselves, right? He chose us, the unwise, to shame the wise, right? It's not like it's like, oh, man, you're, you're on fire, man. I got to have you on my, none of that. Right? The reason that he selected Paul, the reason that he selected you, the reason that he selected me was to be able to get glory through us. So nobody could say, well, that person was already great before. No, no, no. He chose you so he can get glory. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord is how he ends that passage. What does that mean for us today? The church is at work doing what it does. It should bring God's wisdom and glory and honor and power. It should be on full display through the church. It means you should get involved in the church. Again, you might feel like, man, you're always harping on serve because we're called to serve. We all have an assignment. I want everybody in this room to walk away and say, here is my assignment. If I come up to you and say, what is your assignment? What is your ministry? You should be able to say, this is my ministry. And it shouldn't be, I attend Compass. That's not your ministry. That's your fuel, that's your, that's, your, that's your charge to go do your ministry. What is your ministry? God has given you a ministry. We got to find out what that is. I don't know what it is. We'll start doing these three. Humbly approach whatever God's put in front of you and go proclaim the treasures of Christ in whatever you're doing. And then make sure that it's building up the body of Christ so that God would get the glory. Just start with those three. Start with those three. And again, the church is a, a, a trophy case of that. I mean, the, the, the outside world is, they're confused by it, right? You have people, unbelievers ask you, why, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you so nice to me? Why are you bringing a meal? Why are you offering this to me? Are you, do you want to pay back? I don't want to pay back. I'm doing this to glorify God because there's so much more that Jesus did for me. Let me tell you about that. All of it goes back to God. That's why we do. That's why we have generosity towards one another because we're constantly trying to build up the church and the outsiders don't understand why we do it. But we do it because it, God has, has put that in our heart to do that through the spirit. We love one another and it becomes this display for the rest of the world. That's why when the rest of the world, sometimes when they get to a situation where they're like, I, the, the way I'm doing life is not working. They all of a sudden say, oh, I, I should go to the church. Why? Because it's God's display. 
and we continue to track more and more people through the church, you should have a high view of the church. You should be plugged into the church. You should be serving. You should be participating. You should be helping build up the body of Christ and that displays God's wise plan, the universal church and here in our local church. We want God. The goal is for us to be used by God so that people say not, whoa, you're doing a great job, but look what God is doing. That's the goal. Look what God is doing. That's what we want. Humbly pursue your God-given role. Whatever God's putting in front of you. Some of you right now, you got convictions that you know you should be doing something. Be humble about it. God is going to use you. God's going to give you the power. You should do that. You should do that. If you're confused about it, talk to somebody about it. Get some alignment. But if God has placed something in your heart and it honors him, you should do that. You should be humble about it. There's nothing that's beneath you because he didn't need you. You should do that. And whenever you're talking about Christ, make sure you preach it to yourself first and then talk about the treasures, the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's what people need to hear. Because if you just tell them the facts, they already know the fact. They need to hear why you need Jesus. They need to hear that you have eternal life. You have a family. You're no longer slave to sin. They need to hear those unsearchable treasures. Preach that to yourself and then let that overflow to other people. And let us all be used by God to bring him glory. Build up the church. Bring him glory. That's our mission. Those are the three things. Make sure that your ministry involves those three key principles. If you don't know what your ministry is, start there. Say, I want to make sure it has these, and I'm going to run hard to go get those. That's our Christian ministry that we all need to have. Let's pray. God, thank you for using us. We're not worthy, and we know that you could have picked anybody else. There's nothing special about us, any of us. And we understand that you've given us all a ministry, an assignment to be used by you so we can even take the pressure off of ourselves to know that you're going to do the work. But, Lord, I pray that we would all think deeply about what is our assignment what is our ministry? Because you've given us all one, and none of us want to stand before you and say, I, I just kept pushing it off. Lord, I pray if there's anyone that is in that, that, that space, that that would change today, that we would think about those unsearchable riches of Christ, and we would go out and, and, and preach those and be used by you and be humble about it. Lord, help that be the case for us today, this week, and moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen.